You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. This makes my nipples hard. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast, now on video. <laughs> we thought we would start our inaugural a video episode talking about something that I'm not even like initially talking about something that I thought was really, really important to gameplay and my enjoyment of games. And that's the plot. But like the more Paul and I have kind of been discussing it, the more we've been like, is it as important as we thought? And when is it important? And when isn't it important? And it, it just gave us so much to talk about that we decided to share it with all of you. Hey, Paul. Hey. Yeah, hopefully we didn't talk, like, hopefully we didn't get all the, 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 the juice out of this off air in Messenger. And, and there's still interesting realizations to be had about this. But I think the, the idea came from, from when, when we were talking about King's Quest recently, because I was like, most people seem to prefer six to five without the sign. We're not going to get into the whole King's Quest thing again. I've, I've already <laughs> issued several public apologies. My simple point here is just that like when people are like saying why they like a game better than another game, they rarely say anything about the plot at all. Cause I, I it dawned on me that like, I like the plot of King's Quest five better than, than the plot of six, but it's like the, the plot almost doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter so much with adventure games or, or it's not as important as, as you would think. And that's, and that's so, yeah. That was the realization that hit me today as I'm like, I, like, and an adventure game is kind of all about its environment. So it's like, you're on a boat, you're in a castle, and, and then it's like environment and fetch quest with some plot kind of trying to weave everything through. And, and I guess, like, as games got more complex, plots would get more complex and maybe that thread would be thicker and longer, but still that the environments would get more detailed and, and there'd be more to the game. So it's, it's really hard to see where that balance is of like just enough plot to hold it together compared with like an amazing plot. And I think it, like, even if you just stick within Sierra as a company, they've got like They've run the gamut of all of that from like practically no plot and fetch quest because they're just figuring it out with King's Quest 1 to like, say, Gabriel Knight 2 or even 1 where your your plot is really complicated and there's a lot going and you have environments to explore and you have gameplay. So I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, I do too. I guess as a disclaimer off the bat, I would say... Um we're kind of going to be dealing with plots as far as like a, a complex plot and a, and a thin plot or, or maybe mm -hmm. a nicer way to say thin would be like straightforward, but, but just, just to get it out of the way, a thin plot isn't a, necessarily a critique. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of games with pretty thin plots um, that, that are amazing and that you wouldn't even probably stop to realize that the plot is kind of thin without breaking it down, which is, like, I, I guess, in a sense, maybe the birth of this, the, this episode idea, which is realizing that there's some pretty thin plots out there that pass for amazing games, and <laughs> thus bringing into to, to question, like, how, how much does a plot matter in an adventure game? Because as you were just saying, a lot of it is not only, it's split between, like, environment and then just, like, circumstance. Like, mm -hmm. adventure games seem to go from, like, one circumstance to or scenario to the other, usually, I guess, in the form of a puzzle. But it's like mm -hmm. it's, it's rarely the overarching story. It's rarely right. the fact that, that you know, um, I, I'm so bad with King's Quest Six. Uh, 
you know, it's it's really about the fact that that you know your potential love is is being trapped in a castle by an evil whatever. Mordak, yeah. Right. Thank you so much. As it is about like the little worlds that you're traveling to, and and you know, the adventure along the way, man. That's usually <laughs> what's more important in an adventure game. So it's just it's it's interesting to see what they get away with. So I guess to to get us started. I, I was looking at the two Phantasmagoria games as, as just like a model for to highlight to the audience, like what the fuck we're talking about in the sense of like Phantasmagoria one, I would say is extremely straightforward plot, like on the, on the thinner side where it's like, um, I mean, ultimately it's essentially, it's just like a haunted house story, you know, where they, they purchase a house and a magician used to live there. Um, and there, there's like some, some, I don't know about, if I should say supernatural events unfold or something, some generic statement like that. Cause it's basically, you know, more about like Adrienne's experience in the mansion and, and unraveling of its history and things like that. As she's just walking along again, kind of circumstance to circumstance, things are sort of unfolding, but like the overarching plot, if you were to read the back of the box or just a summary, it's more just like, Hey, a young couple buys a house and there's some weird heck, hexy cursy stuff going on because of the previous owner it's it's a haunted house story and that's it's kind of as simple as that and then you look at phantasmagoria 2 mm-hmm. and that game just like you know just it has a lot of dimensions it, it deals with all kinds of more just more intricacies more i don't know everything from like hallucinate hallucinations to psychological trauma and and yeah it's it's I'm not wording it super great, but but I well, mean- no, it's it's true. Like, okay, a lot of the plot in Phantasmagoria One is like it's not even plot. It's like little pieces of a story, like an undercurrent. Like, who who's taken over Dawn? What's his backstory? Uh, how does Adrian escape? Uh, what's her story? Because it's like every single person in Phantasmagoria One has their own story, but there's no like big like super convoluted, lots of storyline, lots of li- different pl- plot arcs. It's it's literally just these little elements combined up into tiny little mini games, almost like find your way through, figure out this scenario because it's timed, go over here, pick up this, you know, you need this to go get that. So it's like, it is, it's pretty thinly strung together in that one. Yeah, this w- it would be the perfect example if it wasn't for the fact that two is better than one. <laughs> It's not true. even objectively, because because no. I think ultimately the point that we're going to hopefully navigate towards is that it really doesn't matter that the thin mm-hmm. plots can be, as far as a gaming experience can be just as good if not better than complex plots. So the the only fault in this this kind of like example that's getting us started is that two is a lot better, but I, I guess mm-hmm. it kind of goes to show that that reg- like the gameplay experience is is. There's no way I can really manipulate this into making one sound at all on par with two. So I probably should bail on that. But to your point, it's like, we don't know anything about Don. Like he doesn't have character exactly Right. All. I was going right. to say, you don't care about back. The only person you care about backstory is the magician, the the phantom that ends up haunting Don. Cause you're like, who is that guy? Who is Adrian? Who is the gardener? Who, who's the, the lady with the, the blonde hair that is in the garage. I mean, we don't care anything about any of them, but like immediately in the second one, who's this guy? Why is he living as an apartment loan? Let, let's learn about his job. Let's learn about his coworkers. Like it, it gives you that curiosity about what's going on. What's his situation? Where's he going? What's the story behind his business? How did he get into the position that he's in? How does he run his programs? It's, it's got 
like more depth to it in the second one for sure. Right. And what is, it's a good way to look at it is if you look at Adrian versus Curtis, in a sense, it's mm-hmm. like Adrian's backstory is um, newlywed is an author. Yes. And then, <laughs> that's yeah, exactly that's, it. that's kind of it. And then, but with mm-hmm. Curtis, it's like we look into his, his entire psyche, his troubled past, the complex relationships with coworkers, and it all intertwines into like these real world events that are happening at work. And yeah, so I guess it just kind of just kind of highlights the, the difference of what we're talking about, about how a game can have even a thin plot or a complex one. So now it makes me want to kind of jump to the defense of straightforward or thin plots just to bring some balance. And, and I would say as a throwaway, because both Anna and I aren't really fans of Myst, but I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are. And, and Myst is a great standout example of, of a game with virtually no plot. Where it's just it's it's as as Anna brilliantly brought to our attention at the beginning of the episode and, and well my attention in Messenger a few hours ago, but but it's so much more location based. Like the location mm-hmm. is the is what's interesting. It it really mm-hmm. isn't. And Mist is the perfect example of how the location can trump the, the the plot of a game and maintain your interest. Like just solely based on exploring the environment as opposed to plot. Mm-hmm. It's true. And especially in invent, like it's hard, like it's always, it's been a little hard for me to consider Mist an adventure game. To me, it's always, I've always kind of called it an environmental game because I never like, and maybe it's because I never played it all the way through, but I'm like, where's the adventure? Like there's mystery and there's intrigue and there's, ah, what do I do next? But like, what, what is the adventure part? Yeah, and honestly, that that'll probably be an episode that we try and tackle in the future. Is is because that's the opposite end of the of the spectrum of like we we've, we've been speaking um, back to Messenger, you know, which is I know super interesting for people to hear about private conversations. But but just we've been toying with the future episode idea of of what makes an adventure game because well, because frankly, I think a lot of people look at games where the character goes on an adventure. Um, and then calls it an adventure game. And it's like, hold on, like Uncharted. And, <laughs> and, and you know, our, and our, 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 dear, our dear friend Joshua Cleveland, who, who runs Adventure Game Hotspot Network, hi, Josh, um, and who loves that game, maybe we should bring him on and just fight about it with him. I think that'd be fun. Because I just want to be <laughs> like, be dude, good. just because the character's going on an adventure in the, in the game doesn't make mm-hmm. it an adventure game which is such a nerdy pedantic sentence I just said, but it's true. I mean, it's like, and there's like, there was a Twitter account with the name adventure in it and they cover adventure things, but they don't like adventure games. So they're just like uncharted is a great adventure game. And then the video they, they attached to their thing was was an action sequence. It was a real time Mm -hmm. event sequence. Like that's, it's just, it's just an adventurous thing that's happening, but it's not an adventure game. Anyway, I guess that the the point is, is that that'll be a future episode. Maybe we could bring some friends on to fight about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But back to the plot thing. So, yeah, you look at Mist and, and you say, like, okay, you don't need a plot to, okay, all right, to kind of play along with what you were just saying, where it's hard to even con- consider Mist an adventure game. Because I, I agree. To me, it's almost a combination of logic puzzles and first-person perspective that just, like, rips me away. Mist is closer to, like, Gone Home, which is an adventure game, kind of, also. It's, like, yeah, I don't know. It's almost mm-hmm. like... It's almost like escape rooms, except for, you know, there's a little bit more plot than you're trapped in a room and you can move from room to room. But, mm-hmm. okay, we're getting farther and farther away from it. So let me bring up Monkey Island. Because um, at its core, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward story. It's mm-hmm. like Monkey Island 1 is, well, I, Monkey Island 1 is is King's Quest 1 and 2. 
together in a game. <laughs> That's a good basically, way to Because it. it's like the first half of Monkey Island 1 is King's Quest 1, where you have to collect three things or, get you know, um, make, you know, yeah, basically, let's just keep it simple as that. You, you collect three things. And then the second half of it is um, rescue, you know, rescue your love, which, yeah, which in Monkey Island, it's, it's, yeah, so the, yeah, King's Quest 1 in the first half is the trials, and then the second half is, and while, yes, Elaine more or less rescues herself slash you, as opposed to you rescuing her, it's still this general idea is, you know, get to the top of the castle and rescue the the thing, so um, mm-hmm. it's not it's not super complex of, of an actual plot, but that doesn't mean that the things that are happening in Monkey Island aren't doesn't mean there it's without moments of complexity or anything like that it's just to say like hey at the end of the day the plot for for arguably the goat of adventure games is pretty pretty straightforward you know can complete three mm-hmm. tri- complete the trials rescue the girl slash end up getting rescued yourself and then yeah become a mighty pirate and eventually try to figure out the secret and yeah and it's like the adventure in that game lies in the little moments is like, you've got your overarching over the series, although some of them go slightly out of Canon, but we can talk about that later. But yeah, it's, it's treasure lies in those tiny moments when you're at scum bar and you're just trying to figure out what the pirates want and how to communicate. So like tiny, tiny, mini, 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 mini stories that wouldn't even be a chapter in a book. They'd be like a page story. And it's like a bunch of those kind of clipped together and your overarching story is the book that they're in. So you've got like a book Mm. with 30 pages and on the back, you can kind of read a summary. There's your like overarching plot. And that's, that's Monkey Island. Right. Right. Exactly. And and it stands as, as, again, it's, it's probably, it's probably largely considered like the, the, the go to adventure game. So I guess, I guess we're just uh, this trying to highlight, um, how how plot doesn't have to it doesn't have to be complex and and I guess mm-hmm. another another kind of one eighty flip on this idea would be to look at a game with a really complex plot that is not bad um, at all. But I personally I'm just picking an example here that I personally enjoyed, but it's not even an enjoyable experience as as I discussed with Geek. So th- so that game would be I have no mouth and I must scream. Right. It's it's a very complex plot of what's going on. It's 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 dark. It's thought provoking. Um, there's like this omnipotent AI that, that's torturing the last five humans on Earth, and there's backstory galore between the five humans, between the AI, how we ended up here. It's it's really quite complex, um, but that doesn't equal an enjoyable experience. Like mm-hmm. like I enjoyed it. I really did. But I could just as easily, if somebody was like, "Oh, that game, I didn't I didn't have fun with that," I'd be like, "Fair enough." It's definitely mm-hmm. not a fun game. It's 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 like it's a, it's a it's a cool or a thought provoking or an interesting experience, but it's like I'd argue that it's not necessarily fun, um, mm-hmm. or or fun would be the wrong word for you know a positive uh, adjective on it. But I guess the point being here is that like you can you can be super complex and and not necessarily provide an enjoyable experience. And and I know it's it's unfair because it's not a, it's not a bad game. So, and I, I wish I had a more complex example. Can you, can you think of an example of something that was complex, maybe to its detriment? Well, or... I mean, we were we mentioned it briefly earlier, but Planescape Torment, and it is a huge 
passion game, like people that love it, love it. They got into it. They got into the lore. They got into like this whole huge world that they can get into and, you know, the gameplay that goes with it. And it's really intense, but it's also, it's kind of daunting for somebody like me. They're like, yeah, just be prepared to read volumes and volumes of text and, and absorb it and understand it and how it relates to other parts of the game. So, you know, to me, that's like, I, I was a little bit overwhelmed. I'm like, wow, it sounds like there's so much story that I'm not even sure I want to play it now. Right, right. No, yeah, that's, yeah, anytime, I guess anytime you're bombarded by lore, there's the potential for, for, for the, um, I almost wonder if Thimbleweed Park's an example of that, for the people that didn't appreciate the ending, let's say, or it's like they, you know, could view that as like maybe even trying too hard, but, um, Techno Babylon is a good example where there's a lot of lore. And I think that as we mentioned on our episode about it, the person that wrote it, I think like had this whole world created and, you know, wanted to present it in a game, not just so that we could play it, but we could kind of understand the reasoning behind how the politics work. And it, and it got a little bit heavier later in the game. And, and there's a part of me that if I'm, if I'm tired or if I'm not super focused in, I'm going to like start missing stuff. I'm going to click, click, click click oh man i just missed like five <laughs> clicks of lore but now you know that's and not not even that any of it was super important to the gameplay but you know to my detriment if i don't pay attention i'm missing out on an aspect of the world but do i even care and i guess some of that even depends on my emotional state on the day that i'm playing it right right no that's fair that's fair because i mean while that was a game we both enjoyed greatly i i would say that that it does it does at least introduce like the risk of, of overcomplicating things to the player or, or, you know, potentially losing somebody's interest um, due to complexity where it's like, they don't have the emotional capacity for it that day. As you said, like sometimes it's just a mood thing where, you know, mm-hmm. I, you just might not, I, I think we've discussed it on this podcast before is like almost like a LucasArts Sierra thing where it's like, if, if I wanted to just kind of, switch my brain off i'd be more inclined to pick a lucas game because they're gonna mm-hmm. more like take my hand and be like let's just let's just go on this light-hearted adventure like sam and max and or mm-hmm. day of the technical even what well, well that one does get a bit more complex but still it's like you know you kind of take your hand you you appreciate the checklist mentality in those senses and then there's other times where you want you want the challenge of like dagger of amon ra or something like that so yeah, it's not. It's not even always the, the, the game's fault, or that the game was done in a good or bad way. I think it's just it can come down to mood. Yeah, daggers like that too. It can get quite heavy on information which also is part backstory like for example later on when you're at the dinner party and you've got to interview every single guest a great number of times vast volumes of information then you end up with your notebook and the notebook's getting filled up and you're like oh my god I got to ask each person about nine separate things I missed asking them I didn't realize there was another page and I missed it asking everybody about this one thing and it's like you know you have to be ready and prepared to absorb that in to truly get something out of the game. Cause if you kind of just like click, 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 doesn't matter. Have I clicked everything I need to do to get to the next phase? And then you don't take any of it in. I'm not even sure it's quite like, it doesn't have the same depth as a gameplay experience. So it's like, sometimes there's lore and there's story in there and you're just like, I just don't want to take it. But then you're like, okay, but you're only getting X percentage of the game, like in a game like Dragon's Age. I know you don't play the RPGs, but I love Dragon Age. It's a great game. It's a it's a beautiful environment. I love that the characters interact with each other, and there's all this thread of story. But there's also the lore of the 
the kingdoms and and the places you've been and other people and other characters and like I don't I often don't read them I stick the little parchment papers in their little slot I make sure to fill all the slots and collect them but I've I've never even opened them up and I don't even know if they would help my gameplay and and I'm probably not immersing myself but then I feel overwhelmed if I take in all the lore and I read everything I'm not going to end up finishing it cuz I'm like oh my god there's so much information right now I just want to fight a bunch of bad guys and maybe have sex with my tent mate or something like whatever it is that the game's going to be about so I don't want to I don't want to go that deep in but like RPGs and lore go hand in hand in hand so I'm like I guess I'm just getting some of the experience Right, right. Well, I, and I guess that, that brings brings to a good a good conclusive point that that a complex plot can it offers depth and immersion, but it could also overwhelm the player. Mm-hmm. And and I, I had in my notes I had this written down as like it can overwhelm the player if it's not executed well. But I think I would change that to just it can just it can overwhelm the players based on a lot of different facets, whether it's the the mood that you're in or what you're looking for in a game or whatever. So it's execution aside, it's like having having lots of depth and immersion and everything, it sounds great on paper, but there's plenty of games that are just really straightforward and kind of more bare bones that are, that are, you know, just classics. Like, like, um, Bloom's probably, probably a pretty good example of that. Space Quest one full Mm -hmm. throttle. That's another example where it's just like pretty straightforward storylines. And, and it doesn't, you know, they're, I guess serving as a good reminder that you don't have to have like, I don't know, Lori, Lori Cole amounts of lore pre-prepared right. just, just to, you know, embark on telling a story. It, it like, can be uh, great. And a lot of times it is, but it's definitely not necessary. You wouldn't bring this up. So I'm going to say quest for glory three was mainly written by Lori. Corey was unavailable doing other projects at the time. And the game is extremely heavy in lore and story. And I think that that's the reason a lot of people go back to that and say, oh, it was such a beautiful game. I really liked this game. And then somebody like me at the time, I'm like, oh, man, there was no action for the thief. I couldn't break into stuff. I wanted to see the inside of the houses in town and kind of get more into that side. So it wasn't until I was older and I was like, oh, the lore and the story, I can appreciate it more. Right. Right. And yes. uh, But that leading into like um, freedom right? How much freedom do we want in a game? Are we looking for freedom in a game? Like, okay, Minecraft, ultimate freedom, build anything you want, anywhere you want. If there's going to be a story to a game like Minecraft, unless you're playing story mode, but if there's going to be a story in free play, it's your story. You're making it up. It's in your head. Same with like in The Sims. There's no real story unless you fall into the town story, but you can make your own story if you have an imagination. And that's another element to plot. How much is your imagination and how much do you want it to be? Like in an adventure game, they're kind of holding your hand and saying, okay, here's the story. I'll take you with it. You don't need to imagine so much because we're going to kind of give it to you. But in like Mm. The Sims, which you can do all sorts of stuff, they're like, okay, you can do all the stuff and play the game. But if you want to add your imagination to it, you can also create a story on top of building a house and living your life. But that's up to you. So, okay, me personally, I couldn't get into that. I never made a story in the sims i would make a house i would make a person i would usually make her just like me she'd read a lot of books get really good at cooking boom fly off in a rocket ship to space that's sims 4 self-employed great but like there's no story like oh janet met tim but tim's really with rebecca but i don't like soap operas so i like it's a personality thing how how you would choose to engage in a game with plot freedom 
Right. Okay. Okay. So for this, for this chapter of the discussion, it's like, um, it was a bald ass Eagle Hmm. just went by. You have to take my word for it. I believe you. (laughs) Um, uh, wow. This is just so, so majestic. Um, so American (laughs) (laughs) as the bald Eagle crosses over and we wonder what his plot line is. And a good day to you, sir. (laughs) <laughs> um, sorry. I, so it, this brings us to, I guess, the part of where it's like no plot it, mm-hmm. is, 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 I think, what you're kind of what we're touching on now, where it's like the the, the um, massive open world, mm-hmm. um, where there's yeah, there's there's basically no plot to um, to what's going on. How like you play games with uh, Strum in VR, and you guys are like monkeys bashing about. Like I'm just making this up. I'm gonna sound so old here, but you're like monkeys bashing about buildings or playing a game. Like, are any of those VR games plot filled? Like, what brings you back to them? Right. Yeah. No. In, in uh, God, when it comes to VR, um, it, it completely depends. I was two two VR examples would be Gorilla Tag, what you were just referring to, which is just just mindless fun. I mean, I would I would equate that to like a side scroller, where it's like you, you don't you don't fire up a game like that looking for plot, right? So it's it's almost it's almost exempt, I guess, in a sense, because it's like it, it's 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 not not part of the marketing materials. It's just like you know you're just going in there to be a monkey and to play tag or, or whatever the case. But then there are, there are other examples where we're, I mean, we played like a haunted cabin game the other night in VR and, and that had uh, like a small, a small plot where there's like, there's definitely like a, a, a child ghost haunting the place and you have to get three items to unlock the attic. And then in the attic, you find the ghost and yeah, it's like a nice little bite size story. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a story. Um, all right, well, let me reel it in. Cause it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting myself confused, which is always bad news for the listeners. Um, I guess I guess looking looking at the difference between plots, whether whether there's a straightforward plot, a complex plot, or just no plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I guess for the for the sake of moving forward, we could leave leave anything that's no plot, and that that ultimately comes down to. And like I'm thinking of Red Dead Two, where it's like when you finish the the because there's very very complex plot that plays through through the whole game, but then once you're done, you're free to just explore, and and mm-hmm. and there's like side quests and things like that. But that's that's a probably a good example of something that's fun on both levels. It's fun playing that game underneath the guidance of a plot and a story. Yeah. Um, and for people who have played it, like you know Arthur versus versus John, I guess you could say, like playing as Arthur, you're going through his arc and playing it as as the plot intended or following a plot. Let's just say I'm saying plot way too much. It's starting to sound weird and meaningless as a word, but. <laughs> but um and then when once that whole story is completed without spoilers you end up playing as john and that's that's more just side quests um it brings back and eh, never mind i don't want to get too nerdy about that either but but yeah i guess the point is is i'm get i'm gonna get lost really quickly if we go into games without plots because then because then I'm, I'm losing i'm losing meaning losing touch with meaning <laughs> on where to go with the conversation because that's just like a whole another world of games where it's like the plot it, if the plot it doesn't isn't meant to even be there, then then mm-hmm. yeah, okay, help me out. I'm I'm drowning. 
No, that's okay. I just, I think it was important to cover the fact that, you know, even in a place where that there isn't a plot, you can make one. You just have to work a little bit harder at it. But yes, guiding us back into gently into adventure games, like it's, it's not entirely the same. It's kind of like there is a plot or there isn't like, I'm not going to make up more story on King Graham in King's Quest one for him to do his fetch quests. Like Wait, is, I would, is that I mean, why I got so lost? It wasn't because of plots. It was because we just ventured out of adventure games and I started panicking. I'm well, like, yeah. And, know, and if, if we go, <laughs> if we go back to our original notes, uh, I believe I said, yes, at this point, when we talk about this type of subject, Paul is just going to sit quietly because he doesn't know anything about it. So that right. that's directly in the notes. And You're I made the okay. mistake of trying to say stuff. That's what happens. You I'm just did. like, I'm saying words and they don't mean anything. Please get me out of here. But yeah. no, we're back. We've reined it in. I said my thing because I <laughs> I happen to play a lot of different games that are not just adventure games. In fact, I, my James and I were playing uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 3 last night because our, our kid wasn't home. <laughs> so we're like, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, let's play Heroes of Might and Magic 3 together. And I'm like, should we? Yes. And we continued our previous game, which was lovely. And, and we're, you know, a good 12 hours in and getting pretty ready to kill each other. It looks horrendous. It does. You yeah, sent Paul me screenshots did. and it's just the most unappealing <laughs> mess I've ever seen in my life. Isometric grids and potions and just no thank you. Yeah. Very, very confusing for that. But no, we're back into adventure games now. And I mean, I think we could gently guide ourselves back into enhancing player engagement. So how does a plot enhance our gaming experience um, in an adventure game in particular? Because we kind of touched on that a little bit as in like you preferring King's Quest V over King's Quest VI because you like the storyline of King's Quest V. Now, my question for you is, do you think that a King's Quest Six could be a better game for you if the story was better, or is or is there something else about King's Quest Five that made it your personal choice? Mm. Um. Well, I I would say that, that in in I don't know if it's hindsight or retrospect or just just in doing a small amount of research behind the things that I say and coming to the realization that both of them have very thin plots. Mm -hmm. um, like I think in my head, I'd built up five, which maybe that's worth, worth exploring in a sense, because it's like, mm -hmm. what caused me to think higher of five than, or what caused me to, to think there was more substance than there really was within five, but, but without, without going too philosophical on it, <laughs> just looking at them both where it's like, okay, five, the, 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 the basic summary would be Mordak makes his family disappear and mm -hmm. here's an owl and you guys are going to go get them back. So it's, it's not super complex. And six is more or less the same. It, it's arguably, yeah, it's arguably maybe more complex, but I think they're both pretty thin because six is, is like what Alexander's trying to go get. Um, what's her name? Kasima, I think. Kasima. Yep, you got it. You're right. He's trying to, she, Alexander tries to, he goes to the Green Isles to get Kasima. And um yeah, just a bunch of crazy stuff happens between, you know, him showing up and him leaving with the girl. Um, so they're <laughs> both pretty thin plots. Um, I, I, I think I, I think in this case, I, I'm more invested in King Graham. Mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't really like Alexander. He just seems super just helpless and whiny. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of it just came down to that where I just didn't really like Alexander that much. 
Um, so the protagonist affected how you felt about the whole trajectory of the game. Right, but more so, and that's a great summary, but more so I think it's back to your point that was a, a great realization for me, which was the location. I think mm -hmm. it's just like five is just infinitely more interesting to me as far as an adventurous exploration. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, going through like, you know, first of all, you have like the small town and all the little characters and shops in the town. But then you're like literally like traversing topography and going through the mountains and encountering yetis and it just it felt so much more adventurous than mm -hmm. um than than the green isles and, and obviously there's the other islands that are attached but yeah i think a lot of the a lot of the king's quest thing for me was just the location like it like mm -hmm. um but it but it does bring me back to the original spirit of this episode which is like why is plot something that's that's not really brought up when it comes to adventure gamers talking about adventure games they like. Like you don't really mm -hmm. hear people say, I like six more because of the story, because of the overarching right. plot. Like I like the idea of being Alexander and having to go and get Cosima you know, from the tower. I mean, it's ultimately, it's really generic. It's, it's, it's almost like um, King's quest six is, a, is this is a stretch, but bear with me. It's almost just like a verbose version of King's quest two. Because ultimately, you're just the dude's going to get the girl from a tower. Like that's kind of, it's kind of all that's happening in both of those games. Six is just <laughs> you know a much more verbose way of doing that. Um, but neither of them are like the kind of story that that's like groundbreaking or at, at all really unique. I mean, it's both they're quite fairy tale driven stories, um, classic ones at that. But yeah, I, I, it still does, I guess, bring me, bring me back to the overall question of how, do, how are adventure games oddly exempt from needing, needing a great plot when, and this is the paradox of it, is that, that they're story-driven games. Like The whole point of adventure <laughs> games is the fact that they're story-driven, but the overarching story oddly doesn't seem to matter that much to adventure well games. Well said. I wonder if, you know, you brought up a really good point about identifying with the character. I wonder if the part of the reason it doesn't even need a story as much is because you are playing as that character. You are exploring and going on whatever adventure he's on. So it's kind of like, I've hopped into your life for a little while. Let's just live it. I don't really care about much more around it in some ways, which is different because if you're reading a book, it, it's not the same. You have no control over it. You're not just hop, hopping into the uh, protagonist in the same way you do with the game. So I wonder if that's why story is not necessarily quite as important. That's a great point. That that would bring me to bringing up Roger Wilco and Guybrush because those yeah. are those are two people you just like want to be and want to spend time as. And mm -hmm. I, I I don't. I could immediately just think with Roger, like I'm not super concerned with what all he's like, what trouble he's into this time. I just want to, I just want to go through it with him, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and of course it, yeah, yeah. And now I'm thinking of all the space quest games and like of, of them, like which ones are the complex ones or which ones are not. And obviously like, I think, I think obviously the, the farther back you go, the more towards AGI that you go or EGA that you go, mm -hmm. the, the more simple it's going to be for, for reasons beyond just, just the, the obvious, like for technical limitations and the fact that the idea of like a, a narrative computer game in, in the eighties was, was so new that, that it was normal for programmers to just come up with a story real quick. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I look back at like the era of Sierra and think of like Jane Jensen, like the, the fact that it took them until like 91 or two to hire a writer to write a game <laughs> is insane. 
and it was just it was just normal it was like you know like ron gilbert is he can whip up like a custom engine over like a weekend um mm-hmm. but he was also like the, the one of the head writers for maniac mansion because it was just that's just the way it was back then like there wasn't dedicated roles for this sort of thing it was all so new and trailblazy so anyway that's all just to say that it, it, i understand why space quest one for example would have a thinner plot than space quest four Right. But now I'm just I'm trying to on the fly think like do any of them have a a, a a complex plot like like five is five has a very clear plot and there is like mm-hmm. a little bit of a rivalry with Captain Quirk or whatever the the douchey guy is um, <laughs> and and there's the there's the primordial soup um, you know there's like corruption I guess if you really wanted to make it sound grandiose you know trying to corrupt people with with this stew and and things like that. But I guess, you know, in King's Quest 4, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. I don't know if, if that entails for a complex plot or not. I don't know. What do you think? Like, w- without, I guess, super overthinking it, d- does Space Quest scream, like, complex plots to you? Well, I mean, they get more complex as the game goes on. I mean, it's dealing with part of... Space Quest is not just the plot and the story. It's almost like watching Roger grow as a protagonist. I mean, it's a controversial series to bring up. I mean, we've discussed it before. There's some continuity issues when you get in later. But, like, the first game has one sentence of plot, second game two sentences, third game three sentences. By the time you get to the the fifth and sixth game, you kind of have a paragraph of plot at that time. Right. Well, that's, so that's it's an interesting it's tricky, point because right? Space Quest mm-hmm. Six has the continuity issues, and and it, I think maybe out of all the Space Quest games, that's the one where the plot gets brought up the most. It does, and, and it is in a negative light. It, it's almost as if like as long as you don't mess with the plot, you can let it exist kind of quietly underneath of everything. But if you start changing things, then maybe it becomes more noticeable. I don't know. That might be a stretch. Like. Part of it's relying on visual gags. I think Space Quest Six. it's a very intricate, very detailed game. The backgrounds are super intricate and detailed. Uh, you know, flying through the body as if you're on an episode of the Magic School Bus or something. I mean, it's it's funny. It's, it's sort of relying on humor. And yeah, it, it almost tried to give itself its own contained plot. I think what you said, as long as you look at Six as its own self-contained game, almost in its entirety, featuring Roger Wilco in like the fan universe too, it's uh, it's got it. It's got a bit of a plot. It's it's maybe even got enough of a you know plot to hold it together on its own. Right. Yeah, well, that brings me to, to I guess the next point, which is it, it's it is it becomes more and more difficult. The more you think on this, it, it becomes it's really easy to overthink this because <laughs> there's there's a risk of, of oversimplifying a plot. Um, like let's yeah. take Fate of Atlantis for example. I, th- I think Atlantis is quite a um, out my uh, balls. Sorry, <laughs> the cat doesn't matter. Fate of Atlantis is is. There's a lot going on, and it's. I think if you were to kind of break it down, I would, I would, I would argue it's it's probably more complex than straightforward. But right. you could also just say that Indiana Jones and his old friend Sophia are trying are, are in a race with the Nazis to uncover the secrets of Atlantis. So right. like there's a, there's this risk of of taking any game and summarizing it as simply as possible, and then saying it's not complex. 
True. You know well, what I mean? You, you it's like almost unfair. You brought up King's Quest Four, and it's like, yeah, you're like, is there even a storyline? How much of a plot is there? And it's like, yeah, it's another one of those like overarching plots. Rosella has to save father, has to save fairy, bad person kingdom, mini marriage, this and that in the middle. So it's like overarching plot, more plot than the third or second or first. But like to take King's Quest Four and make it into a book, you certainly have to add a lot of filler. Maybe we learn a little bit more about the dwarves and the mortgage they hold on their property. And maybe we hear a little bit about the history mine. And maybe we learn that that unicorn is the last of the unicorns on Earth. And we can even go back and find out what happened to the other universes. Like a story like that, you almost want to expand on it because it's it isn't really all there, so to speak. Right, right. Which is which is again for better or worse because it's like sometimes it's. Sometimes that's what creates fandom is is leaving mm-hmm. things open so that the fans can all come together and and drum up ideas and theories and yeah I guess fan theories let's say like that sometimes that that is the best thing a a franchise can do is is leave it unexplained like like um, for for fellow fans of Blade Runner out there like leaving it um, unofficially explained so that so that you can just eternally wonder you know and and theorize and come up with different ways of of selling why the way you think it is is the is the way it truly is and and stuff like that so yeah i guess that that brings maybe more back full circle to to it doesn't again it doesn't have to be complex Mm -hmm. um so let me well let me post a question are i are adventure games getting more are the plots getting more complex as time goes on because I think they I are. I think they're here, almost relying on the plot to create the story, which should be a positive thing. You take a game like Oxenfree. Uh, I don't know if you've played that one, but it's it's essentially dialogue choices guiding the story. I think uh, Among Us, or I don't know the names of the other ones. There's a few out there where it's like, at what point, like just having dialogue to click through to determine what happens in the gl- the game, but because you're learning more about the characters and their intricacy and the psyche behind them to feel for them. And I see a lot of that happening almost in as such, there's no challenge to the game. You're literally spending the whole game learning about the plot. And that's, that's kind of the game. Like, I don't know if you've noticed that. Right. That, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause that, that's, it's almost, if there was a fork in the road, that would be the other direction, like oxen free and firewatch and, mm-hmm. um, even, even maybe arguably life is strange, but yeah, just it, it, that's, that's, that's one way. And we'll circle back to the other way in a minute. Cause I want to stay on what you were saying, but then the other direction would be like, like Wajidai and, and that's Kathy rain, raw fury, like the, that, that side of, of new of modern adventure games. But, but yeah, to the ones that you were speaking of, um, it's, it's interesting the way you framed that, where you said that the, the plot of the, the plot of the game becomes, Say, could you say that again for me? Because that was really good. You're like the plot it's, of the game becomes all that not all that matters, but it becomes the whole game. Like the dialogue and the plot and the progression is what the game is about. Unfolding the plot and seeing where it's going to go. Even like Telltale. Is, yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like Telltale or I don't know the Long Walk or something. I'm not sure. Sure, please. Um, you should have stuck with three. Um, I, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Okay, so, so bringing it to Telltale helps me 
helps me focus on on the point that you're making. Yeah, like it's The like, Walking Dead, even or something. Like, what is right. what is the plot? Right when you're playing it, it is the plot. Is the progression? Is the plot? Is that? It's kind of hard for me to even separate it out. Mixed with like timed events, maybe. Right. The narration is is so at the forefront. It's like it's like when the like the the, the narration, the narrative is the puzzle too. It's like it's all about mm-hmm. the branching dialogues. It's yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't think about this at all coming in to, coming in to record this because yeah, Walking Dead, all the Telltale games, mm-hmm. it's all literally about the plot. Um, you, you almost you almost don't, and yeah, maybe there's there's an issue with that too. Like like careful what you wish for in a sense because it's like some of the best parts of Space Quest Four is just like the freedom to explore the world. Mm-hmm. Like like as as and we've talked about this plenty on the podcast before, but like. Being able to explore like the mall or uh, yes. Lighten or Lytton in, in Police Quest, like the, mm-hmm. that was so like I don't know that was so crucial to the experience of having the freedom to just casually walk around and not be tethered to the story at all times and like you know everything you do matters. It's like whoa, you know take take that easy too. And and so yeah, that's interesting. It, it it's like a it is quite quite a balance going on here. Um, and it, it seems yep. like erring on the side of of less plot is at least safer, right? Mm-hmm. With like omitting opinions from this, because it would just be an opinion for me to pick a side. I think it's 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 fair to say that it's definitely safer, or like the numbers, the statistics are on the side of less plot for an mm-hmm. adventure game, which is so. It's again, it's very weird. It's really strange. It is. Well, I, okay, let's let's just head into territory of the Phantom Fellows because a plot, you say it a hundred times in the episode, but we've said it to each other. Like I looked it up in our chat just to see, we say it a lot. And like, okay, in the Phantom Fellows, you've done this idea of there being an overarching plot that maybe goes through one, two, three games. And then you've got your, your mini stories because it's kind of like in chapters, right? And that's another way to do an overarching story and mini stories with, cause like a chapter is a bunch of little scenes. Each scene has its own little story. So you've got like mini stories within your chapter. You've got your chapter within your story. Cause you've got a, a cohesive storyline from number one beginning to number one end, but then there's that openness to continue on it. So that, that is another like larger overarching. So if you, if you're thinking about it, like you're in English class and you've got all these like parentheses over top of things, you've got your overarching you've got your one game arc you've got each chapter arc and then you've got like each scene and each scenario and then every conversation so like plot it's a lot it's over almost overwhelming when i start putting it all together yeah just picturing like um like like when they map out like flight charts like all the airplanes in the sky and you see like thousands of these little lines connecting everywhere (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of visual yeah um Okay, well, I, I, that's that's an interesting angle. Without without making it, let's say, a, about Phantom Fellows, I can say that from the outside, I, I noticed a lack of plot in Dark Side Detective, mm-hmm. which I was obviously influenced by um, quite quite a lot. You know, as, as far as at least at least in the early days of Phantom Fellows, and I think you know I started developing my own. I don't know, ground to stand on, I guess. But, but in the very beginning, a lot of it was like, how could I do that specifically better? And and I noticed that, that and not better in a pretentious way, just better in a, like, if you don't, you know, you got to aim as high as you could possibly aim if you want to do something good, I, I think, is, is, is an un, um, 
is isn't like a loaded comment to make, right? Or it's like, of course, we gotta you know aim high and try and be the best. Um, doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it'll land there, but that's got, that should be the aim, I think. And anyway, that that to be said is that I, I noticed that there was a lack of an overarching plot, and that it it, it made it made things feel. A, and this isn't to to critique dark side, but just to say, just to I guess better help clarify or sculpt out where 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 do plots stand at least for me in in opinion and taste where it's like i noticed it it did two things well one it was just just the fact that i noticed that there wasn't an overarching plot and and it was just you Mm -hmm. know this is the next case that the dark side guys are on and that was really fun but it was also a bit single serving where it was just Mm -hmm. like take it or leave it Like, like when i finished a case the 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 only reason to do the next case is because is because I was having fun, which is totally a, a great and a valid reason. And they did an amazing job of making it fun and making it so I wanted to go to the next case. But there, there wasn't anything I was going to miss if I didn't. You know, like oh, it, it, that's it. That's right there. You're not worried if you're going to miss something if you don't do something. That I think is is a key. Actually, really, really well said. Good. Thank God. <laughs> We're, we're coming up on the hour mark and finally got got something that sticks. Cause yeah. Okay. So, so uh, st- staying with that, it would be like having, um, yeah. And maybe that comes back to, 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 to movies or films or, or things like that. But it's like, and maybe it's funny cause I really, I really like the family guy, but maybe this is why for the people, for the many people that don't like it, it's like, I could see the family guy lacks that as well. It's more of just like, you know, like a, a slice of dessert, like here, just have some cheap laughs. Doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. And, and in that sense, it's like, so yeah, there's times and places for all this stuff. I, I shouldn't muddy things up by bringing that into it, but, but yeah, back, back to the idea with, with the Phantom Hill is in looking at, at dark side and being like, yeah, but it's missing an overarching plot. So what does the overarching plot mean to me? Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, but it isn't just, it wasn't just like the, the reason to continue on. It was also character development, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it was also like wondering, wanting to know a little bit more about them. And, and without those elements, it was like, Oh, I'm never, I'm never going to know more about them though. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not on the menu for this specific franchise or whatever, which is fair mm-hmm. enough. And, and as mm-hmm. we said previously, that can be a good thing that can leave it. So where the audience gets to decide, you know, their backstory and theorize about it. But, but at the risk of, of that not happening, I don't know. Yeah. Then, then it is more just kind of empty. Well, you're Um, filling it out, right? Like in your game, you've got your main characters, you provide a little backstory, you provide context and like, okay, for me personally, uh, I can see development over time and not even so much as the characters developing. I feel they're, they kind of are who they are, but they, they connect and they're real and they have these little like moments, these like real moments that's not just like off the top comedy. And and to me, that kind of that's really important to me in a good game. I want you to hit me on both sides. I want you to make me laugh. I want you to show me something that I didn't know before. I want you to make me think and then I don't want to think. And then like I, I want everything. I want it all. And, and kind of I feel that's what I'm getting with the Phantom Fellows is just just a little touch of everything. You're making me laugh. You're making me go, hmm. You're making me go, oh, like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. You're making me like go to Google and be like, what does that word mean? And but like <laughs> in a good way. That, no, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess I guess the plot in that sense adds complexity because it's like mm-hmm. 
like you said, the, the two characters are who they are in in a, in a not in a banal way, but in, in a consistent way. Like you want to mm-hmm. you want a consistent character that that's not wildly changing, which isn't easy because I feel like I've wildly changed in the last three years, but I still have to keep things more or less the way that they always were. But it's like I look at it as um, maybe later in the game you'll catch a glimpse as to why they they do this one thing that they do. Like you know why mm-hmm. why do they have this this little certain type of ribbing that they do. And it's like, you could maybe later on, you could visit us as to why, or or a better example for listeners would be like, for one of the days in the game, day five, I decided to, to make, to make Ingelbert, to make the ghost in a, in a bit of a bad mood, just, just like Mm -hmm. a little bit grumpy, a little bit sour that day, because one, that's, that's just how it is. Like some days we just, we're just in a grumpy mood, but then two, it gave me the, uh, the opportunity at least to explore that side of being dead like this does suck though <laughs> like but for real jokes aside like i'm stuck on earth as a ghost and and like sometimes i just it really bums me out um mm-hmm. so it was a nice opportunity to to explore two things to, to make it feel more real like in a sense so if you're spending a week with these two characters that uh, you know one of them's gonna have a bad day at some point during that week um and then the other to to you know just to show some vulnerabilities and if these two are like really good dude friends, there's probably a lot of ball breaking and stuff like that going on. But like, it's an opportunity to stop and be like, Hey, but they do really care about each other too. And like all jokes aside, if somebody falls, like they're going to help each other get back up. So yeah, I guess, I guess yeah. plot can bring, can bring complexity to that. And I just and yeah. you totally blew my mind a second ago. I think I've just realized something. I think like in part, at least for games, especially made by indie developers, plot is guided by how much the person who makes the game cares about each individual element. How much do you care about the environment? How much do you care about the characters as a whole? How much do you care about each character and who they are? How much have you developed those characters yourself? And how do you share that with the audience? And is that the part of the game that you care about? Like maybe you're all about the ambiance and the pacing or, you know, like all of all of that. Like I just I didn't even clue in. Of course, it's totally all guided by you or whoever it is that's making the game and where your priorities are and and where you think that they need to be for us players to enjoy. Right, right. Yeah, that, that, that helps to articulate it for me as well. Like it's, so, so, I mean, so many times where it's like, you know, we go along doing things and, and don't even really know why. So that, that helps me understand that too. Cause it's like, at, at this point, we're almost at three years in development. It's at some point a year and a half ago, halfway through, I realized what a big game this was and was going to be. And then it's like, well, okay, well now, now I don't want it to just be jokes. Like, you know, now, mm-hmm. now if it's going to be like an experience, I want it to be like the full experience. It's, you know, touch on different, you know, actual emotions and things like that and and maybe get some experience, life experience things plugged into it or whatever the case is. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, because um, that's your voice. I mean, that's any anything an author in any way outputs to the world. You're either trying to share, like oftentimes, I think you're trying to share with the world something you've gained so that maybe after they experience it, they can have gained something out of it too. And maybe it's out of your own life experience. Maybe they can relate it in their experience. Maybe you want them to see your vision. Maybe you want them to have their own vision because, you know, art obviously can be interpreted differently by everybody, but it it's so much an individual journey. Right. Yeah, no, that's well said. It's very well said. 
I think mm. a lot of times it just starts off as an opportunity to write different jokes and then it turns mm. into something more complex. Because it's like, you know, the, like the, the grumpy thing off the bat was just like, it was it was just a, new, a fresh angle for that day, let's say, where it's like, okay, well, you know, instead of just, you know, continue, we're on day five now. So instead of the fifth day of the same, let's just, you know, change this little aspect up and then we get a whole different realm of jokes but then you know then you realize like there's there's a lot more here than just different different kinds of jokes you know you mm-hmm. can actually like finally start to to touch on what it's like to be dead like joking aside like you know this is this is a real person who who by now in the game hopefully they're somewhat invested in or interested in and it'd be nice to see more than just like that plastic exterior persona of like the jokey mm-hmm. you know sidekick guy and actually like explore that so that's kind of fun that's um, kind of, I guess, a good reason to release all the chapters at once. I mean, some would say, okay, well, if your game is six, seven, eight chapters, well, then just release a chapter at a time. But like, okay, to me, I lose, I mean, I, I often can lose a little bit of my investment in a game if it if it's chopped up in that way, especially in very specific individual points. So I really like the fact that it's a whole game it's one game, it's all one game, but it is divided up so that I can comfortably, you know, stop, absorb, and be ready for the next adventure. Right. No, I appreciate you saying that too, because yeah, that's been that's been something I've been tempted to regret, which was which was doing it doing it this way. It's like one solid, you know, especially for the length of it, because I think it's going to end up being over, you know, probably over a twelve hour experience to play. It. I was going to say about um, fourteen hours is what I was just saying to James yesterday about. Yeah, right. Yeah, it yeah. sounds it sounds about fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 in a sense too. There's like some Gabriel Knight lessons learned too, as far as sins <laughs> of the father, because that's that's based on seven days and and yeah. I'd I'd say this one's it, that Gabriel Knight's a little more loyal to the one subject matter because each day it's more about expanding the singular investigation whereas where phantom fellows it's like you know it's it's seven different days seven different investigations in a sense i mean really if i was to be super nerdy about it it's it's six different investigations and the seventh day is is reserved to um to 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 bring together the the overarching subplot that's been happening, you know. So like mm-hmm. the subplots, you know, starts stirring up in the third day, and then the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day, and then the seventh day. It's like okay, it's time to deal with this now. It's time to you know yeah. really give this the attention that it's deserved and answer the questions that it's been asking and and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But but regardless, I think the overall idea is like you know to offer something new each day, yeah. um, and and then at the end tie it all together in in. In a sense, it, it does. It almost reminds me of like previous, like my previous job, which was doing musical scores, where it's like sometimes you'll have like this brooding kind of baseline, or it's something that 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 you you introduce subtly a few minutes in or a few days in, and then you let it build, and then you let it build, and then it comes to a point where it has to crescendo, and it demands mm-hmm. it demands the attention at that point, where it's like, okay, let's stop and deal with this, and and also musically speaking, usually it's that 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 line or that that new melody that keeps people interested all the way through. So it's like the mm-hmm. subplot of the story. Hopefully, you know, it's like, like I said, it starts kicking up in day three and get little teasers and little tastes and, and, you know, maybe a little bit more in day five than in day six. But, you know, regardless, like it's, 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 it's around and it's in the mm-hmm. air um, sort of idea. And, and that should hopefully keep the interest where it's like, okay, I, I, I do need, I do almost need to know how the fuck this ends now. You know, what is yeah. going on with this, with this side plot story? Yeah. Like um, it's going to bug you if, if you can't finish it for whatever reason you want somebody to be thinking about it and going, oh man, but what is going to happen? 
And then, you know, that's something you're looking for, that invested curiosity that, you know, some games are able to do really quickly in a very short amount of time without a lot of plot, but not so much. Like, I'm not eternally invested in Alexander from King's Quest. I don't I don't think about what he's doing all the time. But like Rosella has a little bit more plot. And I I do kind of think about her a little bit. I I even thought maybe she was a bit misrepresented in King's Quest seven as far as her personality went. But I cared enough about her to think that like that's that's kind right. of a big deal right yeah that's, yeah that's a really good point so 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 i guess a, a fair recap would be that it's it's the environment and well the two things that we didn't expect so much would have been the environment and yeah the characters as, what about as the music as... does music affect plot or how you view it I mean, it's intrinsic in gameplay. A game without music would be terrible, but does it have anything to do with plot at all? I don't know. I'm about to start doing the music for for my game, so I've been it's 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 something I've been thinking about a lot, and I'm 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 on the other side of it right now. Like right now, I'm I'm, I'm almost nihilistically thinking that music doesn't matter nearly as much as well. Let's just say as much as it does in films. Mm-hmm. It just it it. I don't, I, and it's just like, I don't know, I'm almost hesitant to say because it it's like, it's just like thought experiment stuff where I'm not, I, I haven't picked a hill to die on with this yet at all mm-hmm. for everybody listening. But, but it's, it, the more, because I'm like trying to do like a little bit of homework right now where I'm listening to games that have like revered scores and I'm just trying to see where it all settles in. Like, wh- wh- when did the music make a difference and what kind of music was it and was it more prominent than others? And, there's way mm-hmm. less of a rhyme or reason with video game music than there is with, with movie scores. Way yeah. less. And, and it's it to, to the point where it's actually quite frustrating as far as um, um, research is concerned. Because there's just <laughs> like these wild hits and misses where they'll be like, oh, so-and-so killed it with this score. It's absolutely amazing. And then you listen to it and you're just like, yeah, okay. Like it's this is fine. Like I would notice mm-hmm. if it wasn't there, but he's like, yeah, uh, with video games, I'm having a, with adventure games, I'm having a very hard time pinpointing what the music does because it, it, if there's one lesson I've learned so far in, in, in research to, 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 to score my own game, it's that the, the, the silence and the headspace is really important. So it's like, all I've really concluded so far is that you need music so that you can not have music. And let mm-hmm. that matter. Like it's moments in adventure games where the soundtrack stops that mm-hmm. usually grab my attention the most. But those moments wouldn't be powerful if it was always just silent. Like that's not how that works at all, right? You need you need the the almost constant, yeah, just the constant rattle of music to 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 eventually when you cut the music for it to be noticeable. So. Yeah, I, don't I guess know. it's it's positional, right? I mean, music is very like this is where you are, this is the atmosphere, this is how your main character is feeling, this is how the environment around them is, this is what they're doing. It is and then you have to like is the is the music leading up to a plot point? Or does it make a difference? Because it's like a game soundtrack is usually like seven six or seven to twelve songs that are played each environment kind of has a song so here's the outdoor song here's the thunderstorm song here's the apartment song but it's like that's it's it's environmental more than i guess guiding where the game is going but if in the game you're doing it like a movie things are getting scary the music gets quieter and it's like and it's like that's happening then it's like it's pushing the plot forward to me because 
it's enhancing what's happening on the screen at that moment instead of just where you are, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. I would say that, that it's, um, the, the, the music in a, in a video game is more, is, is almost purely atmospheric. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a movie, it's, it's both atmospheric and, um, influential over your emotions. And that's not to say that a score in a video game can't like influence your emotions and, and, and it can, and it does, and it should, but because you can't predict because of player predictability, mm. you, you more have to, and because of the just, just simple video game logic things like, like a, um, like a, a, a piece of music has to loop would be right. an example. It's like, there's all these, these limitations that are baked in to a video game. It's like, you don't know how long a player is going to be in this area. So it has to loop. Hmm. That's um, a good point. Th there's so many factors like that to where the, the music in the games, like I'm thinking of Thimbleweed Park in my head right now, because that's that's a 20 hour game potentially on on the hard mode, the full mode, 16 to 22 hours. There's 12 songs on the soundtrack. It, mm -hmm. One of them is the intro. One of them is that jukebox song. So it's like this. It's only nine or ten songs that play for twenty. Cool hours. sneakers is the best one. Right, that's the one I'm talking about. It's like, that one doesn't. It doesn't even count. You, I love that one. Um, <laughs> that one doesn't even count. Right, the intro doesn't count because it's played once, and that one doesn't count because it's 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 a gimmicky. You know, plays the, the no quarter song. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's 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 an absolute gimmick. It's not part of the atmosphere. It's not part of you hear it that no one quarters, time. No right. Or, Thank you. Yeah, Sorry. you only hear it when you mess <laughs> with the machine. So yeah. it's like the, the, all that to say is that now now we've got nine songs that have to span twenty hours, and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't flawlessly. I I I still the fact that I still like the music says it all. Like how could you still like the you know after hearing those nine songs for twenty hours. Um, and you, if you still like it, that means, you know, that Stephen Kirk or whoever, you know, did a good, well, specifically was him with that, but whoever in any game did, did a good job if you still like it after 20 hours of hearing nine songs. That's but fair. yeah, all, all that to say is like, you know, you can't, whoever's scoring a film is, is much more akin to like a puppet master. You can really play with people's emotions. You can nudge them where you want them to be and, and make them feel more or less how you want them to feel and, mm -hmm. and control that throughout every single moment of the, of the score, you know, like the, like the peaks and valleys and the highs and lows and, and the suspense and the drama, um, the silence, you control all of that to a T perfectly. Whereas with a game, it's like, well, I don't know where the fuck they're going to be at this moment. So like, you know, you just, you, you can pick when it goes totally silent and that's about mm -hmm. it. Otherwise it's got a loop. So yeah, that's that's interesting. But so I guess really super long answer short is no. I don't think it does. I don't think it affects the plot. I don't think no. it can. No, I like that. I think I'm I'm agreeing with you, especially after hearing you talk about it. So uh, it just brings me back to I think we have to do another episode eventually on music soundtracks. I know we've touched on it I think briefly in the past, but we're gonna have to do it. We're gonna have to insert some clips because as we're talking, so many different music soundtracks are flying through my head for so many different games, completely irrelevant to this episode. So, <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely do it, and, and especially doing research like to to score Phantom Fellows and like paying extra. Cool, I'm definitely gonna have a lot more to say than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, as far as how to do that and. 
So I guess I kind of want to recap over everything that we've talked about here and, and talk about like, in your opinion, like, have you even changed your opinion? Do you think that a strong plot is a game changer? I mean, because I almost feel after we've been talking about it that like, like you said earlier, a strong plot, at least for you and I right here, might even be a detriment to an immersive gameplay experience in an adventure game. You really have to work super hard at finding a balance between plot, environment, location, uh, excitement, enticement, uh, investment. There's there's a lot of different aspects. Yeah, no, that's I that, yeah, that's such a good point cuz right away I think of I think of like Unavowed and I think of um Techno Babylon, Gemini mm-hmm. Rue, basically I'm thinking of Wajirai games right now and how they're yeah. They're all quite complex, and and they all pull it off, if not miraculously. They pull it off because mm-hmm. they're really, really well done. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them, like, you know, Technocrat, who, who designed Techno Babylon, um, I can't think of his real name. He's, he's a super nice guy, too. Um, but it d- doesn't matter. Like, th- these are, like, passion, like, love letter, passion projects, whatever. Like, you know, something these people may have, may have worked on for years or like it makes me think too of like fifth element where Luke Besson who, who wrote and directed that movie, like he, he wrote that movie. He started writing that movie in like middle school to where yeah. the, the, the alien language that Mila Jovovich speaks in that or Lilu speaks is, is literally its own made up language. Cause he's been like, that's how much of him is that movie, right? Like he had been writing that movie all his life. Um, and, and there's certain games that are like that, like Techno Babylon, right? Where it's like the lore and, and the things that go into it. It's like, you know, it's somebody's legacy, I think is what I'm trying to say. You're um, feeling the heart. Dave Gilbert does it in his games for sure. And when yeah. you play it with the commentary, you're like, oh my God, there is meaning behind like not just the location, but every picture on the wall or like the reference to this character sitting on the chair over there. There is passion and heart all the way through his games and and in in techno babylon it's the same way and a lot of francisco's games you see it too or golden wake or something that has like a a complexity to it right and that yeah. a lot of that just comes from you the creator if if you're complex you're making a complex game and it's going to come through that way especially now that like we have the technological abilities to do that i mean we're not discovering the forefront of gaming with like adventure and like pong like we are we are well beyond that point to have the ability to put whatever it is we want from ourselves into the games so it's about like time and connection and passion and willingness and and what part of the game you're passionate about and and how the player is going to connect with it because nobody's passively taking in what you're giving them as a game creator you, you have to go into my mind like all game creators need to go into the player's mind and be like, yeah, I, I understand the passion and all the things I want to put into that, but what are they going to get out of it? And are they going to want it? So it's, it's really, it's complicated. And, and plot, plot is the thread that weaves through like every facet of it. It, it is. It's, it's since we're coming to the end of the episode, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost a miracle in itself that, that, that I have no further conclusions. Like I haven't gotten any closer to like a definitive statement to make because, well, because if, if I look at how complex Gabriel Knight is one or two, um, which, which are, they're extremely complex to the point where they're, they're, they're weaving in real historical events. And oftentimes those events are altered slightly which just furthers the complexity of it. Um, 
and and I look at how masterful those games are, and and like how I literally look up to them as far as like writing games is concerned, or just telling stories in general is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I look at at the other side, like my I think my my two favorite Sierra things, at least excluding all the quests, would would be Lara and Gabriel, and. Mm-hmm. And Lara Bow's games are 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 not very complex. I, I mean, this I, I haven't really stopped to think too much about Colonel's Bequest right now. So, forgive me if I'm like just really overlooking that, and I just sounded stupid. But but looking at Dagger of Amon Ra, um, it's it's not very complex. It's it's you know there, there's a murderer loose in a museum, um, and and he's killing everybody. And and when you I'm not going to spoil the game, but it's like when you find out the who and the why. It's not like, it's more just like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. Like, oh, okay, I could see that. I mean, you know, she seemed pretty mad for what it was, but okay. Some people are crazy. Um, so all that to say is that, like, Dagger of Amon Ra is, is, is an awesome game, and it's a lot of fun, and, and you, you're you're unraveling this mystery one murder at a time. Um, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and it's an engaging but it's it's not a complex plot. It's just a murder's mm-hmm. happening at a museum, and and ultimately the the person behind it all, and like you know, there's yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but like they they they, they try to they, I guess they add a little bit of complexity when it comes to like the 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 the, the cult part of it or whatever the occult part of it, um, but yeah, it's 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 nothing it's nothing too crazy. Let's just say. So I guess I'm really just trying to say that. Okay, just one more example, and this is I'm more if if I'm sounding wildly all over the place, it's kind of on purpose because it's it, that's what's making my point here, um, which which I will wrap up. But it's it's the last one I want to bring into it is Willie Beamish, because mm-hmm. Willie Beamish is is actually like kind of oddly complex for a story, and I think if anything, I just wanted to get this conveyed in this episode, so maybe I'm shoehorning it in. I don't know, but but there's a lot going on with Willie Beamish, like between his his ghost grandfather. Um, just like childhood the dynamics, mm-hmm. the dynamics between him and both sisters, what's going on between husband and wife, the husband losing his job, you know, uh, Leona coming into town and taking over and then hiring the dad. And it's, it's, it's oddly complex is the best. It's way like a Saturday morning cartoon to me that that plays off like a two parter Saturday morning cartoon. You'd watch it on two different Saturdays and it would be able to tell the same story that that whole game did. But because it's just a cartoon, it tells it in two 25 minute episodes. Yeah. And it, well, I think but I it's think... enough to make two 25 minute episodes because it actually has a story because you couldn't make two 25 minute episodes out of the early King's Quest games. There's no way. Right, I, and I would I would probably take your olive branch and, and just just stretch it a little bit further into like ninety minutes, let's say eighty eight minutes, and bam, now we're talking you know like Disney movie length or you know, I don't know why I said Disney, but just it's it's with with your logic that you just laid out, it's it's not a big stretch to be like it's borderline, you know, a movie like you know a good a classic, especially the early nineties, like you know eighty five minute runtime where you can keep and hold attention like. Considering it's Willie Beamish, like if you really break down the plot of that game and what's going on, it almost has no business being as complex as it is. Like even the introduction of Turbo Frog and like his foreign owner and like, um, or or the Japanese tourists. Like there's there's just there's a lot of facets to that game that that are more complex than probably. I don't want to like say something stupid and get and make anybody mad. But it's like 
everybody listening knows how much I love Space Quest, and I would say that Willy Beamish might be more complex than any of the Space Quest games. Like, as far as, like, the story that's happening and all the different onion-like layers that are unfolding. It doesn't matter whether that's here nor there, but my point is, is, like, you've got a game like Willy Beamish, which doesn't seem complex, but if you really break it down, it, it, it's quite complex. And then you've got Gabriel Knight, which is, I think, unarguably complex. And then you've got Dagger Bomb on Ra, which is quite straightforward. And it's all just to say that they're all equally enjoyable. And I, I like them okay, all the well, same. I'm and, going to take this And yeah, to your, to your starting point from this rant would be that, that being, uh, having a complex plot, I think, is, is, is a risk. It, it's a risk to take. Because I think it, I think it can make the game better, um, but you got to really pull it off, or else you, you risk overwhelming them. And, and as you touched on earlier, with Techno Babylon, we both love that game, and people can listen to our episode on that and, and you know, hear that that's a genuine sentiment. That, that we we both came out of that with glowing reviews, saying buy it. I played it twice, and I I could see myself playing it a third time in ten years. But the point being is that that game came really close to blowing it. And I think we expressed this in, in other words in our episode about it because we were both we were both just starting to feel the the, the weight of the lore, where it's like, whew, this is a lot. Like by the end of the game, I was like, oh, am I going to be able to keep up with this? Because I'm it's starting. There were moments where it was just almost losing me a little bit, where it was just like I think a lot of it was fatigue, where I'd been playing the game for hours and there was just more lore, 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 and it was it was it came really close to blowing it and it didn't. And it's an amazing game. But I think that that highlights my point that you're almost at a risk for you're at a risk when you bring in complexity like that, because if anything, it can, it can talk you out of a, out of a fun time. Okay. So that's, that's my point, you know, that whole, <laughs> the whole thing whole that thing you just said fun. there, that there was no obvious cut into. Cause yeah. No, that's right, I think there's, there's like lights are on in the house now. <laughs> We've no continuity here. So anyway, now that I've finished my point, what's 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 your point? What's your final thoughts on this? Well, when we first started talking about this, I thought that plot was important. And as games got more complicated, their plot would progress and inherently would make a better game on the surface of it. And the deeper we've gone into it, the more I realize there is a balance to a plot and a lot of it is it's gameplay, it's environment, it's the adventure itself, it's the plot, it's the characters, it's the depth to which the person creating the game is interested in the backstory and the plot that it's such a, it's so much more complicated than I thought it would be. But like plot is intrinsically a part of everything that I like to play. Uh, so like it's important, but it's not absolutely detrimental if it's not overwhelming. Like the first thing I said about Gabriel Knight was, wow, this is this is deep. This is a really interesting game. There are so many layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. And it, and it stuck with me. It impressed me. And it did help me like the game more. But then like when I play a game like Willie which it also has a plot and maybe it's a thinner plot, but it's a pretty complicated plot. You, you don't even think of it as an overarching story, but it's also, it's not Willy Beamish isn't like a whole bunch of mini games in the same way it is. It's a whole continuous story all the way through and it's not chunked up. So I guess in my wordy way all around it is there's, there's a balance. You want some plot, not too much plot. You want the right amount of plot for the right amount of game in the right situation. And I don't know that games nowadays are going in the direction that 
I prefer in all cases. I, I really want to have that mix of interactivity, plot, and engagement, and then that little bit of distance where I'm not overwhelmed by story. I mean, that, that's not asking for much, right? Right. No, that's good. It's, it's because that, that helps me that helps me articulate to myself in the sense that it's it's similar to soundtracks in that the the role of a plot is different in a video game than it is a movie. Mm-hmm. And That's and true. and I'm really glad that earlier you brought up Telltale because <laughs> for me personally that there is such thing as too much plot because I'm I'm not I'm not huge into into that style of adventure game like The Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us. You know I've, I I tried them and it was just it was missing the, as you just said the the world exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was missing that that part of it. It was it was too too you know so you you can you can go too much plot or too little plot and like as you said it is a balance so mm-hmm. I, you know I yeah think i want to do some clicking and more than sorry <laughs> just yeah i want to do clicking and not just on dialogue choices so maybe having an overwhelming amount of dialogue doesn't necessarily translate into a fantastic plot right yeah yeah no that that's cool that's that, that's a good ending because that helps me again with the soundtrack thing it really is how 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 like the idea of a soundtrack and the idea of a plot are are mm-hmm. universal you would think but but if you apply it to a movie or to a game they completely change like their mm-hmm. role what's expected of them how they affect things and their importance because as it turns out even for a narrative based genre the mm-hmm. plot is uh, not that important drummer please no but the music is super important because again if you're watching a movie for an hour and a half you're you're not hearing more than an hour and a half of movie i mean that's it that's that's your music that's the movie it's over but in a game plot related or not you have to hear that music for 20 hours 25 hours 30 hours you don't even know right so anyways off divergent but god it's all so intrinsically connected it's almost hard to pull all the ideas apart sometimes yeah all right. Well, that, that's that's our bloody show. I'm going to say some things and then Anna's going to say the normal things. So we're we're testing this video thing out. We don't know if we're going to stick with it or not. We 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 would like you to help us decide that. So um, we're on YouTube. Um, I'll that'll be linked in in the in the episode thingy that you know where we always link stuff on the podcast. That'll be links. If you guys don't mind, um, head to YouTube and subscribe um, and. That'll be, I think we're just going to use that right now as like a loose gauge to see people, to see if you guys are interested in, in this video format or not. Um, regardless of the direction that we go, whether we keep doing video or not, we're going to keep releasing an audio version as a podcast, no matter what. So the podcast itself isn't going anywhere. We're just looking to offer the video option. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think about it, whether that's on Facebook or on YouTube in a comment section or just wherever you can say stuff towards us, including email, let us know if um, if this is something that you guys are interested in or not. Because, you know, Anna and I were both just talking about it. Like, I, I don't know, like I have podcasts that I listen to that are just podcasts for MotoGP stuff, and that's good enough for me. Um, but I think I do prefer video when it's an option. But at the same time, like everybody's just like shoving content down all of our throats all the time. So maybe it's like you just want to take a pass on this video-wise, and that's cool too because – yeah, anyway, let us know what you think. Main thing to take away from, from my little spiel here is to go to YouTube and uh, subscribe to us. And yep. if, if we see like a bunch of views on our videos or subscribers going up or whatever, then we'll know that it's being received well. Um, mm-hmm. And also, 
Thank you so much, Brian, for writing us. Brian, I just wanted to say really quickly that I freaking, I swear to God, I brought up Quest for Glory 4 on the Geek Podcast uh, episode regarding Halloween. It's just that I brought it up in the sense where I was, I said to Geek, I'm like, if I don't mention Quest for Glory 4, then then we're going to get in trouble because people love that game and it's it's got a very spooky looking title screen as far as I know. <laughs> and then I ended up cutting it, even though I was the one that was like, we're going to get yelled at if I don't cut this, yelled at in a playful way. Um, but, but I said it to Geek and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't quest for glory either. And I was like, oh, I needed to be there, but I was so busy in Germany. You understand. I'd had those tickets for weeks. (laughs) Exactly. Anna was just scratching an itch in Germany and, and she wasn't there to talk about, um, quest for glory for, but, but Brian, I promise we, we did and we cut it. That's kind of worth nothing now. Um, Mm -hmm. but mostly to say is, is to thank you for writing as always. Mm-hmm. please um and also to check out death defy and brian's music because it's it's so damn good um so if you if you like synthwave vaporwave you're missing out if you're not listening to it and also we want to say thank you to retro floppy who is our new patreon that's right yeah thank you to retro floppy thank you as well to uh, robin spark who's continued to send us fantastic emails uh thank you to michael council because uh, you're in the extra special thanks tier. And you already said, Brian Manown, death-defying extra special thanks tier. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, what makes things keep running. So yeah, jump out there and see if you can find us in even more places than before. But if not, come find us on Twitter. Of course, you know you can find us at CGG Podcast, and you can talk to Paul at The Phantom Fellows. Uh, Wishlist the game while we're talking about The Phantom Fellows. That's on Steam. You can look up information on thephantomfellows.com and send us your words. Mail at classicgamersguild.com. We already talked about Patreon, but hey, how do you find it? Well, Classic Gamers Guild on Patreon. So so uh, kind of matches with the name there. Uh, talk to us on Facebook. Join the Classic Gamers Guild. It's uh, We're a page, we're a group. It's a great place where we talk, we do games, we do all sorts of cool stuff. And it's the whole reason this podcast is happening in the first place, which is just a bunch of classic gamers getting together, wanting to talk about classic games. And that's the whole point of everything we're doing here. It's just Paul and I clearly have many, many hours of things to say about classic games Uh, so we're also up on instagram cgg podcast so all of those places you can find us go do it so yeah i forgot everyone can see me threatening my child now that's 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 one of the cons to video so um don't do murder in video (laughs) 